Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hootink, with my co-host, Christian Conway. Greetings from a very cold Denver, Colorado, but excited to talk about some hot soccer. Oh, man, you know, it's chilly here in L.A., and uh, I know that people give us a hard time for being too cold when it's not literally cold. Um, but uh, Christian and I can both complain about how our sinuses are not doing great, no matter where we're at. <laughs> it just feels like that kind of year, right? Like, where it's just, it's one thing after another. <laughs> I love fall, but, um, okay, to jump right in, you know, U.S. Women's National, no, sorry, <laughs> U.S. Men's National Team. I apologize for my teacher brain. U.S. Men's National Team has beat Costa Rica, which I'm so used to the women doing. Um, so, Christian was right. Yeah, I mean, We didn't need to panic. <laughs> yeah, I think this game starts very weird, right? I mean, Keisha Fuller gets in. It's, it's a weird passage of play that I think maybe, you know, there might be a foul in the play, and it's kind of one of those things where, you know, th- this this conversation in that window especially, and, and in, in, in the previous window too, was that, well, CONCACAF doesn't have VAR. And I heard, I believe it was Brian Dunseth, but it might have been Tony Miola, discussing, you know, kind of why CONCACAF doesn't have VAR, which is that, like, there's a lot of nations that, you know, if, if we look at, you know, means in terms of financial means, which is definitely a conversation we need to have in terms of international football, that they just can't afford to outfit their stadiums with VAR, with VAR you know, in terms of all the cameras and the technology. That's a different conversation. We, I mean, we could do a whole entire podcast about CONCACAF and its various quirks and things like that, where, like, that's a problem. And, like, you know, we have to talk about maybe CONCACAF stepping in and giving these smaller nations um, that don't have the means necessarily uh, VAR so that, you know, we have kind of a comprehensive VAR-supported qualification tournament. I think that's a that's a very interesting conversation. It's a very difficult conversation, and it's a conversation that talks about, you know, soccer imperialism and whatever have you. I will say about this, you know, first off, Serginho Dest's goal in this is one of the best goals I think I've seen in a very long time. It is, you know, I, it came before the Golasso committee, I believe, um, and I, I know there was a little bit of dissent, but it's a Golasso. Um, I was going to say, there usually is on that committee, but anyway. <laughs> but what I will say is, I think, you know, this has been the way the United States has gone about qualification so far, is that the United States, and, and this is, I think, what we're going to get into a little bit more, and as especially we get into this next window when they have to play Mexico at home and then travel to Jamaica, is this is a this is like this is a young team that was the youngest starting eleven the United States has ever fielded in a World Cup qualifying match. They're going to make young mistakes, and that first goal that they concede to Costa Rica is it's an eighteen year old missing coverage, and you know Keisha Fielder taking advantage of it. That happens with this kind of team, and I think what's impressed me so much about this team. In the Honduras away game, and this game especially, but it's it's happened in other games, is that this team, I think with younger teams, maybe you don't get this as much. And this is why this young U.S. national team really like gives me a lot of reason to be optimistic, is that they know how to pick themselves up off the floor. You know, like, I think a young team that wasn't mentally strong goes down a goal in the first minute at home against Costa Rica and says, Good, oh, it's going to be that kind of day. And Costa Rica... And I, and I said this on Twitter during the game where I said, like, look, you know, I worry about when you let a team that is committed to sitting deep and getting you on the counter, they feed off desperation. And it never felt at any point the United States was desperate. It felt like they were playing with urgency, but they never crossed over that line to desperation of just, we have to get something in the back of the net. And I think that's something very telling about the mental strength of this team. And the fact that, you know, Tyler Adams as captain, you know, 
his leadership reminds me a lot of Michael Bradley's leadership. And I know Michael Bradley's a very controversial figure in U.S. soccer circles. He shouldn't be. He's one of the best defensive midfielders we've ever had. But it still reminds me of that like kind of very stoic, like, I know how to pick these guys up. Weston McKenney, for everything that happened in that first window, and because and we all know things happened, um, he still had the ability to pick this team up. Serginho Dest just knew, I need to create a moment of magic, created that moment of magic. You know, th- there are players in this team that seemingly, for being 18, 19, carry themselves like they've played 100 qualifiers, that they've, they've been here before. And I think that's a very important thing. And I think that was forged over the summer with the Nations League um, and the Gold Cup wins, where like these players just learn not to be scared. And I think that's a very important thing moving forward. Um, if I'm a U.S. Men's National Team fan listening to this, I have I'm six points out of that window. Yeah, that game in Panama, you know, we, and we talked about it on last week's pod. Yeah, that game at Panama happens, but it's one of those games where I think just in CONCACAF, you have to kind of like let it go. Um, but, you know, when they finally got to being vertical and got to being what Bearhalter wants them to do, I mean, Costa Rica didn't have an answer for that team. I mean, Costa Rica, you know, loses this game 2-1. I'm going to be honest, it probably could have been 4-5-1. I mean, with the way the U.S. played in that second half. I think there are a lot of very good things. Now, the window coming up is going to be much more difficult because they're going to play Mexico. And, of course, Mexico is the toughest game out of out of World Cup qualifying. And then they have to go to Jamaica. Now, Jamaica is a little bit of a weird case. Theodore Whitmore, the head coach, is kind of on... I, I wouldn't say thin ice, but definitely there's maybe like a space heater under the ice. Um, like, he, he could lose his job very shortly um, if he has not lost it yet. But if they can get the uh, Premier League players in, then going to Kingston is a very difficult game. Because, I mean, you talk about Mikel Antonio, you talk about Damari Gray, you talk about some very good players, Liam Bailey. Um, you talk about some very good players. But I do think if you're, if you're the United States right now in qualifying after the first two windows, your second place, you know, you're like, what, two points back? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling really good. I, I, like, this, this is about the best start to qualification you could have asked for. Yeah, you had a couple snoozer games in that first window. It happens all the time. You had a weird road result happens all the time if they can get i'd say four points out of the next two games then i'm going to begin to say and if you are listening to this podcast or you are a member of this podcast start knocking on wood if we get four points i'm feeling very good about maybe planning (laughs) maybe planning a flight to qatar um oh wow but i i do think this win against costa rica just kind of really got everyone feeling a lot better. And, and, and we'll talk about this with the LA Galaxy Portland game, but I think this was just a huge kind of like, all right, everyone exhale, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said that um, because it really puts things into perspective. I understand everybody's concern, and I apologize for me like clearing my throat and whatnot, but um, like I started this pod saying sinuses are real. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> but I think that that we U.S. men's national team fans just needed that boost. Um, you know, when you are staring down the barrel of a game against Mexico, who's always been a top rival, a challenge, regardless of, you know, uh, when we've beat them in the past and whatnot. Um, you know, every game is, is in its own capsule in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to rivalry games. It's, it's going to be a big boost, obviously, if they can beat Mexico, but like you said, if they can get four points out of the next few games, um, I think, two games, excuse me, I think that that'd be enough to, 
to get to get us all through. Yeah, and, and, and it was like that Mexico game in November, and, and and as we get closer to it, obviously we'll talk about it. Um, I, I think that Mexico game in November is intriguing simply because of what happened this summer. Because if you think about the, what the United States did this summer to Mexico, I, I don't think we've ever had a period of you know any sustained time where the United States just was not afraid of Mexico. And I think you know, you talk about that Nations League final and how absolutely crazy it was, and, and having been there, it was truly one of the most intense atmospheres I've ever been in in a soccer game. But then they beat them in the Gold Cup too. Like I, I think Mexico, obviously Mexico is going to come to Cincinnati looking at this like it's a grudge match considering what happened this summer. But I think with a lot of the players that are involved in the, in, in, in the men's national team, and obviously, you know, injuries did dominate the second camp, if you think about it. Because, I mean, what, Gio is not there. Christian Pulisic's not there. Um, Conrad De La Fuente's not there. Like, a lot of, a lot of people that, you know, when you think about it, when healthy, will slot into the starting 11. But they're not afraid of that rivalry. And I think that's, you know, really interesting. And that's going to be, you know, and I don't want to steal too much of our thunder before we get to that point. But that's going to be an interesting kind of development to watch over the next couple of weeks about, you know, this team doesn't play scared anymore. And, you know, home to, you know, home to Mexico in Cincinnati, that's going to be an interesting, you know, kind of 90 minutes to watch because, you know, for Mexico, this is a grudge match now. Like, you know, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm Tata Martino, I'm walking to the locker room saying they took everything from you. What are you going to do about it? Like, it, it, this could get really interesting in a bit. Like, I'm actually really excited about this one. Um, more so than I, I think I've been with previous qualifiers against Mexico. But I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, six points out of this window. Everyone's good. Get everyone healthy. Come back. And just, you know, continue this good run of form. This The United States is in a very good run of form right now. I, I think I, everything's looking okay. And that's kind of really comforting to think about after what happened in 2017. But I think... We talked about it on last week, and I'll, and I'll, I'll re-reference it here. 2017 put something in this team mentally, and now this is the campaign to exercise that demon. And I think it's going very well. And I think we just all need to kind of like step back from the ledge a little bit. And but I don't think that's going to happen until we actually punch our ticket. You know what I mean? Like I think everyone's mm-hmm. going to be on pins and needles until like, hey guys, you're going to Qatar. But like, I think right now, looking at it kind of globally, I feel very good about where we are. Yeah, and I like that you said, um, like, basically gear up, you know. This is the time. It's a Friday night that that game is on. You know, head straight to work to your nearest pub. Like, (laughs) um, Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, um, it's time to bring it out and to celebrate, just like we always got up for rivalry matches and for World Cup qualifiers um, before the... (laughs) 2018 year right oh, Lord. so yeah this is something to get excited for and i'm i'm ever grateful to christian to bring in that optimism and you guys heard it here first <laughs> i did call that costa rica game didn't i you did you did and i was as i said i'm trying to be the voice of everybody else because <laughs> <laughs> to be honest being a u.s men's fan has been quite challenging but oh, yeah. no question. um i mean being a sports fan is quite challenging as i sit here as a dodgers fan before you so and Christian Apodrisson, Meryl. <laughs> <laughs> I did go there. Okay, so we are a soccer podcast moving forward. Um, LA Galaxy got the win. They actually were able to 
keep their sixth place <laughs> because with everything that's happening, um, you know, with the West and how close everything is and how, of course, San Jose is not going to do us any favors, um, nor do we really want them to. Um, as Christian thankfully reminded me that tomorrow the Galaxy face Houston, I was already looking to that home game um, this Saturday night, but, you know, when you have these five games ahead and you look at that Portland match, um, one, I hope that there is some hope given back into the team, but as we learned on Ted Lasso, it's the hope that kills you, right? And so really just trying to maintain that that faith. Um, it's not over until it's over. Um, I say that this way because that Portland match, I'm ever so proud of LA Galaxy. They actually look good. They deserve to win, but I did say, and I still stand by this, that the Galaxy were gifted those goals. Now, compliments to Chicharito and for Sasha because they were both there and they made their goals. Um, you know, even though Portland messed up, because I was just sitting there in the stands, like, what's it going to take for the Galaxy to get in the back of the net? Because it's just this constant, constant thing where you watch the Galaxy just have numerous shots on goal. Um, I think they had 16 on this night, and there were like 20 shots total, and it's just kind of absurd that you're just like, how are the Galaxy not up five right now? How are Portland playing this from the floor? You know, because honestly, every time I looked up, Portland was on their back on the floor, and I'm just like, who are these little punks like crying to the ref every two seconds? And ref calls will be ref calls in MLS, and you know, regardless, I say... Kudos to the Galaxy for being able to put those away however however you get it. You know, even if it's not pretty, winning is winning, right, Vin Diesel? So, um... Yeah, I, I, I will point to... I was going to say, speaking of family... No, I'm kidding, go ahead. I'll point to... Oh, <laughs> good lord, we don't need to turn into a film podcast about that series. No, I, I meant because, you know how Sasha Klesch and I play like brothers yeah. and like hashtag family. So I'll, I'll, I'll point to two kind of intangible moments in this game before I start kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of what I saw... The first was, you know, Harry watched the highlights right before we, we started recording just to kind of remind myself of, of, of what I was supposed to see. And the one thing that struck me in that highlight reel was it wasn't a moment in the match. It was actually right when the final whistle was called. And just the way that stadium reacted, just the roar of that crowd that finally... The only 15,000 yeah. plus that and were there, by the way. But it's it was not, so weird. V-Block was like empty. It sounded a lot more. I mean, it just felt like, mm -hmm. yes, like finally. And I think that that speaks to something that this team has been struggling with for a very long time. We talked about it a lot, um, and I keep referencing last week's podcast, I apologize. But um, we talked about it a lot in the LAFC drop, where it was like, the Galaxy were the better team on the night, but they just didn't get the result. This was, and, and, and that's happened multiple times throughout this nine-game run that we're, we've, we've, we've finally broken, where they went nine games without a win, where it was just like, We'd point at games and be like, the Galaxy were the better team. How did this not happen? It finally happened. And yeah, you know, you, you reference the fact that you know, Chicharito's first goal is very lucky. Larius Mabiala, I have no idea what he's thinking. And then on, obviously, you know, Van Raken going in on that challenge against uh, Efren Alvarez. I mean, like, Efren Alvarez is back to goal and you're going to do that? Like, I don't understand that idea. Um, but, you know, to, to that point, I mean, good teams, when they are given lucky moments take advantage of those lucky moments the galaxy did that in this game on saturday night and also again boss possession 61 percent possession 20 shots nine on goal i mean yes i've i've long maintained possessions a meaningless statistic but when you combine 61.4 percent possession 
with a 3.3 total expected X goals or um, expected goals for the Galaxy. That means you dominated this game in a way that few teams can, and you know they got rewarded for it. And I think it's been a lot of games recently where the Galaxy haven't been rewarded for being good. Now I think you know there are some moments in this game. I mean, I will say for Portland's goal. Sebastian Blanco is one of the best players in this league, and every now and then, just a very good player is going to pop up and do something like that. Now, oh, I was going to say every now and then, jealous that he's not on our team, but anyway. Look, I might have tweeted out something around the All-Star game where I was like, show me the multiverse where Nico Lodero, Sebastian Blanco, and Lucas Alderaan are playing, all playing for the Galaxy. Like, that would be really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But, what I mean, look, sometimes the best player in the league is going to do that. And I, 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 I've, I've kind of been arguing that I think Jonathan Bond's regressing to the mean. Um, I say that because simply because Jonathan Bond made some incredible saves in the first 10 games. I'm not going to go after Bond on this one. I can understand why he makes the error in the sense that it's one of those crosses, like a shot cross. And I think what he was looking at was if you watch the play, there's two Portland attackers. I can't remember who it was. Um, it's not Nishgoda. It's Mora and I um, can't remember who. But he's got to look at them thinking it's a cross but then also he starts to notice it's going towards his back post, so he doesn't know who's behind him, and he's at he's in no man's land. Like that's, I'm not going to blame a goalkeeper for you know having to be or being in that position. That that's a very difficult position for a goalkeeper to be in. I'm okay with him making that mistake. Um, he came up with a lot of big saves in this game too, so I'm not you know like this isn't a Jonathan Bond is at fault for that first goal. That's just one of those fluky goals that just happens, and you just mm-hmm. kind of have to you know be like, all right, cool. Um, I will say Sebastian Blanco smacking the post off that, what, 35, 40 yarder was, who boy. Um, But, you know, this is a team that I think a lot of us looked at in those nine games where they didn't win as being like, God, just one opportunity away. And, you know, they finally got their opportunities and they finally, and, and it's this concept in hockey called puck luck, where it's like, you need the bounces to go your way. So like the puck sometimes bounces over a stick and, you know, you, you have a clear shot in on goal and the puck bounces over and you, you know, obviously the shot is lost. The Galaxy have not had puck luck over the past, over these past nine games, if you think about it. Like, finally, everything kind of went okay. And, and I think this, it felt like watching Sasha Kletchen score his penalty, which, by the way, Steve Clark almost had that one. Let's, you know, let's all kind of thank our lucky stars here that that went in. Um, but you just saw the, the reaction. And it was that post-game interview from Sasha where you could just tell that this changed everything in that locker room, that everyone's bought in, and now finally they're getting their rewards. And I think that's a huge difference about this team. And that's why I'm, you know, uh, uh, Corner of the Galaxy tweeted out today, what do you expect from the next five games? 15 points on offer. And I said, realistically, I'm expecting seven. I think they can go to Houston this tomorrow and win. I think they can beat Dallas at home. Dallas obviously firing a head coach, Lucha Gonzalez, who I don't think he should have been fired, but that's, and, and Ricardo Pepe, saying he wants to leave, obviously so, considering, you know, how good he's been. Um, but th- that's a team that's in, in, in very, you know, weird circumstances. Houston with an outside, outside, outside chance of making the playoffs. I still don't trust Taparamos with that roster. Um, and I think they can maybe garner a point in, you know, against Minnesota or in Seattle, considering Seattle's injury losses. Um, but I, I do think that something has changed for this team and they've unlocked, they've been gritty all year. But there's a different level of, you know what? Okay, it's 1-1, right? Like when Sebastian Blanco scores that 1-1, I think the Galaxy team of the past nine games that we'd seen before this game would have been like, cool, right? 1-1 draw, 
perfectly fine. We got out of it. But this team was not going to lose this game. They had no intention of losing mm -hmm. this game. And I think that's turned a corner in a very significant way that I'm interested to... I, I think this really sets up the Galaxy very well for the end of, end of season run. Um, and I, I, do, I do think this win, when we look back on kind of whenever the season ends, we'll look at this win as a very massive win in the context of the season. Yeah, and I'm not going to worry too much about attendance. I mean, I know that people were saying, well, the Dodgers were playing two hours before this game, and, and um, I mean, <laughs> love it or hate it, baseball is long. So, um, you know, a lot of people were you know speculating as to why the attendance was low, but I'm not really worried about it. I think, you know, regardless of vaccination status and what have you, I think that the the fans want to see a winning team. Well, there, and uh -huh. there was no gas around this team. If you think about the the last nine mm -hmm. games before this game, I mean, you know, the the, the Trafico is the Trafico. Obviously, it's going to be something that's a huge, you know, affair. But out of all the Traficos we've played, is that probably not the most boring Trafico we've had so far? Like, Yeah, that was like the worst. <laughs> it, 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 it was a bit of a slog. Like, I think there's just been no gas around this team. And I think that's why, like, why I highlighted the fan reaction after the final whistle went, which is that everyone kind of was just like, oh, there might be something still here. Yeah. Yeah, like, we're still going to make the playoffs. And I know we don't do predictions on this show, notoriously. Um, you know, and Christian and I will save what we think our playoff run will be like. But for now, um, you know, I just don't want the Galaxy to get screwed over by these teams that aren't in the running for the playoffs, you know, because that's what's happened before. And, you know, we're not even talking about decision day um, yet. So, um Another shout out, you know, first of all, first of all, before I shout out Sasha question, um, the, when you said that it was like a grudge match between U.S. Uh, men's and, and Mexico, I, I mean, when you look at these teams that, that the Galaxy are facing next, I mean, that's exactly what these, what these are, and the Galaxy have to get, have to get over these teams, you know, um, Sasha question has always stepped it up through the hardest hardest of times since he's been with the galaxy and he's been the voice and he's been the captain and he's i'm so glad that he took that pk and that he nailed it i knew that he would um but it was so funny because he jumped up to celebrate with the fans and then he got back down because he's like oh i can't get a card for what i'm already on <laughs> to like be able to celebrate with the fans so you know you just, you get that passion, you get that leadership, and, and that's what you're looking for um, in Sasha Question. So thank you, Sasha, if you ever hear this. Um, you know, Jonathan Bond, I, I know I was seeing people like, oh, it was very Bingham-esque of him to, um, you know, get that in. But I, that, that whole play on that Portland goal was, was strange. Um, Araujo was down, and there was no call, and, you know, Whatever, whatever the case was, even when he chipped that in, I'm not sure that he really thought it was gonna go in. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you just, know, that's just like it's a broken. Like it's a broken play, and, and and they happen. Yeah, you know, like that. Yeah, and I'm not trying to call it a fluke. I'm just, I'm legit. Like, what, what was that? You know, <laughs> even for Blanco, like, I don't know. Under under other circumstances, I guess I would have a, a higher respect um, for that goal. But you know, it's like. What, what are you going to do? It happened, and, and that's that's the thing. These are very MLS-y games. These are, these are the weirdest of, of stretches 
as a galaxy look to win look to win and get as many points as they can and and just get into those playoffs I, I do feel for Cabral on this game. I mean, you talk about Steve Clark's double save mm-hmm. on him in, what, the 46th minute? Um, you know, I think this is a game where, you know, yeah, maybe the Galaxy should have won it more comfortably. I think that's kind of been the prevailing thought I've seen, but they still won. You know, like, and it did It did feel like watching, you know, this, this, this finally felt like watching Greg Vanny's ideal of a team that knows how to use the ball in the sense of, I think teams that are possession-based, which this team definitely looking at the underlying numbers, most definitely is considering they've been averaging 60% possession in most games they've played. Um, that indicates a team that wants to use the ball. But the whole other thing about possession-based teams that I think, and um, in, 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 I'm reading a fantastic book by Simon Cooper on on Barcelona, and um, and, and he talks about like how like possession-based teams are, are well and good because your concept is, well, if we have the ball, they can't hurt us. But it's all about tempo, and I and I and I long said for a lot of times in that nine game stretch of, of losses that or losses and draws where I said, well, the Galaxy just aren't moving the ball fast enough. And if you look at the combination play to get Cabral in on the forty sixth minute, I mean that's just the Galaxy decisively passing the ball, using the ball to their advantage, and it's three touches and all of a sudden Cabral's in, and that's a great save from Steve Clark who made a lot of very good saves that evening. You know, I think... I know. I hate that he's good. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> it's the best part of Portland other than Blanco, honestly. Yeah, I mean, so so I think, you know, they're finally kind of getting it. And I think the international break really helped this Galaxy mm-hmm. team, right? Like, I think, you know, they got a lot of players, you know, kind of feeling confident in themselves again. You know, it rested some players, let some pa- players recharge. It looked just a lot more cohesive. And that passage of play, and then also the passage of play, and I know we can talk about my Biala kind of missing the mark to allow Chicharito to kind of finish that chance. Which, by the way, if you watch that play over, Chicharito is about the most surprised person on the field it got to his feet. <laughs> like, I know. Right? He has no idea what to do with the ball. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's one of those incisive movement kind of times. And it's, and it's also Efraini winning the penalty. It's, you know, the Galaxy getting forward, having Julian Araujo, who, by the way, was excellent in this game, as he's been all season. If he's not up for defender of the year, or at least young player of the year, then we have to have a serious conversation with MLS about how they value talent. Um, Mm -hmm. But the Galaxy just, you know, when they were incisive and when they moved the ball forward, Portland really didn't have an answer for them. And I think, you know, this is really, this was the Galaxy team that we saw in the first 10 games, right? Like, this was the Galaxy team that was fearless in the attack, was decently solid in the defense, and I think, honestly, they probably could have conceded one or two more. But this was the team that we saw in the first 10 games of the season. And what's the whole entire thing about playoffs you want to get hot at the right time now i i'm not saying this is the galaxy getting hot obviously if, if they win tomorrow and then maybe you know get a result against dallas at home then we have to then then that's that conversation we start having but it did look a heck of a lot more confident i think is the word i'd use to describe that performance necessarily over you know lafc where they weren't really sure if they should be defensively solid or attacking you know it, it looked like finally everyone was kind of cohesively connecting in a way that you know, I, I think this team has been crying out for for honestly ten weeks. Yeah, and the subs were better. I, I know that everybody's kind of frustrated. They're like, "Well, why is Cabral starting, and why um, isn't Yo Village up on top with Chicharito?" But look, um, as Christian and I were saying, like, uh, and text to each other, <laughs> um, Vasquez has been able to make things work with Chicharito up top, and so it made it made sense. Um, you know, you need those fresh legs. And did you, see, I mean, I don't think you said while we were recording about Jonathan Dos Santos's touches. Oh yeah. No, I mean, Jonathan Dos Santos leads the galaxy in touches with, uh, 65 touches per 90. I think what, 
this is finally the Jonathan Dos Santos that I always have said I want to see in the Galaxy jersey. Just a guy that is a regista time setter, a guy that kind of understands that like knows when to go fast, knows when to go, knows when to go slow, knows when to sit on the ball, knows when to advance the forward pass. I mean, he's one of the most uh, effective forward passers in uh, the Western Conference. Um, sorry, uh, 85th percentile among central midfielders in progressive passing frequency. Like he knows what you know. He knows how to move this offense, and I think the Galaxy just operate a lot better with him being that. Now, I will say about the the Jovalich Chicharito up top thing, I can understand why people want that. I get it. I don't know and I and I've openly called for this. I'm refining mm-hmm. my position on that real quick here. I think Chicharito plays best with Victor Vasquez because the way that Victor Vasquez can find passes I think really helps Chicharito who plays so well off of the back shoulder of players. Like, if you look at a lot of what Chicharito does very well, and if you look at a lot of the goals he scored this year, they're, poach, they're poacher's goals, right? Like, I mean, the goal he scored in this game is a poacher's goal. It's a guy that is at the right place at the right time, knows where he needs to be, finishes out the play. Well, who do you need to pair with someone that's that good at poaching? You need a guy that's going to be able to get a pass to him. Well, who is the best passer on this Galaxy team? It's Victor Vasquez. You know, like, I, I, it makes a lot of sense. And I think also... You have Grancier and Cabral tucking into be more central, allows Vasquez to pull a little bit into the center of midfield. Well, what does that do to defensive midfielders? Well, defensive midfielders now have to think, hmm, okay, I've got wingers that are cutting inside that are then allowing Hamelin and, and Araujo to just stick to, you know, the, the proverbial chalk on their boots, you know, wingers, or uh, outside backs, excuse me. And then if I'm tracking Victor Vasquez as a defensive midfielder, I have to look at four different people on the field and then I also have to be like, oh, I can't let Victor Vasquez hit that final pass. So then it completely unbalances midfield. I actually kind of like this. I think it's very good. I don't think Victor Vasquez, and and, and, th- and this is something that I think Vanny has has alluded to in terms of his rotations. because We've talked a lot about how Greg Vanny has rotated his sides this year. He, he understands Victor Vasquez can't go a full 90 for 34 weeks in a row. Like, we all know that, you know. But... The games where Chicharito's gotten the most out of it has been when he's played alongside Victor Vasquez doing that kind of pulling that gravity for him. And then Chicharito just is a fox in the box, makes the smart run, which he's done all of his career, and then finishes. And I think it, it works. Now, I do think Jovalich and Chicharito are a bit of the same person. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more physical play from Jovalich, mm-hmm. and that's why I thought it was going to work, which was that Jovalich would be the guy that would receive in space or you know put it back to a defender and then receive it and then turn and then Chicharito was already on the run. I don't think that's necessarily how it's shaped out. Now, obviously, we haven't seen a lot of Jovalich. I mean, it's obviously a short sample size. He arrived late um, through no fault of his own. Um, and he gets subbed in late. Yeah. So I, I don't know necessarily if it's exactly a perfect combination, but I do like what I saw with Vasquez and Chicharito working together alongside, you know, Grancier and Cabral. Um, another fantastic performance from Ryan Revolution as well. Like... Out of all of the the incoming players that we've we've dealt with, and we've dealt with a lot, Revolution is maybe my number one in terms of recent acquisitions for the Galaxy. Oh man, there's more jerseys I want now. Like, <laughs> I want Revolution. I want Sasha Kleshin. <laughs> I, w- I want a Revolution Madagascar national team jersey. If anyone oh, can, nice. If anyone can make that happen, please slide into my DMs. I want one. <laughs> all right. Well, you heard it here. So. Um, uh, yeah, looking at those subs and the roster, um, and, and even looking who started, I mean, yeah, this is a, 
this is that depth that we were talking about for the Galaxy um, to get, and I know a lot of people were kind of criticizing Vanny on his signings and what have you, but, um, you know, Depew, Williams, Hamelin, and especially, like, everybody did their job um, in the back, yeah, you know, so, uh-huh. Depew's really grown this season under uh, um, Vanny. I was actually very, I was, I was very surprised when I saw Williams and Depew and, and, and knowing that, you know, uh, Koulibaly was healthy. I, I, I was a little bit surprised, and, and also Stare is healthy. But I, I mean, this has been a, an impressive run of form for Hamelainen and, and, and Depew. I would say, um, but yeah, yeah, the step is, is yeah, as you said, is 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 very good, and it's a very good sign for this team. Yeah, and I and I love Sebastian Leger, and we love what he does for the U.S. men's team. But it, but it is a little frustrating the way he sometimes uh, performs for the Galaxy. I mean, the problem with, with Leggett, I think, is that he is a very good player that would have been one of the best players in the world, or not in the world, in the United States about maybe 20 years ago. That I think he's he's an anachronistic player in a time where players like him aren't necessarily as successful. He's a guy that, you know, likes to take his time on the ball, likes to, you know, be able to, you know, pass and move and, and, and take guys on the dribble. I think in a, in a in a world where the sport has almost been turned into a track meet, um, I just don't think there's a lot of room for a player like him. I, I still, you know, you see his value in the U.S. system where he's kind of tasked with, you know, being the guy that keeps the ball, that moves the ball forward. Um, he's kind of like, if you cut Jonathan Dos Santos in half and pulled all of his defensive responsibilities out and only kept the advancing the ball forward, you know, being the 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 kind of the the, the regista quote unquote, but it, not really. But you know what? You kind of you understand kind of what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. Um, mm-hmm. then that's special the chat. Now, I, I think in, in this midfield in the way that when Jonathan Dos Santos is healthy and Revolution is healthy, I do struggle to see a world where Sebastian Legette starts, um, simply because I think Jonathan Dos Santos does what Legette does very well and then adds a lot of defensive solidity to that, and I think that's very important. Um, but, you know, I, I do see a place for Legette in all of this um, in terms of just when a game's getting out of control and you need a guy to stand on the ball and just calm things down, Sebastian Legette is exactly your guy. Like, first person, if I'm up 1-0 and the game's getting a little out of control, I'm li- first first person off the bench is Sebastian. Sure, um, sure. Um, he had come in, though, <laughs> before <laughs> the Galaxy were up because um, that was a late goal in the 90th. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more referring to just general game states. Obviously, yeah. you know, I think they saw something in this game where Sebastian was successful. And, 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 and Credit to Vanny. I mean, his substitution work this year has been very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about Efrain. Com- I'm not screaming for it <laughs> on the 80th minute, but yes. When we talk about Efrain coming into games, we talk about Sebastian coming into games. They've de- Cabral, when he was uh, his minor time on the bench, you know, they, they've they've changed game states. And I think, yeah, you know, th- there is competition for starting 11 places in this Galaxy team, which I think what the first time since 2016 we've really said that. You know, like this is like the framework is here, guys. Like. You know, obviously these these last five games are a murderer's row of teams. I mean, Dallas is probably the easiest out of all of them. They they have to go to Houston, and he, going to Houston has Yikes. has been <laughs> because because FC Dallas can really sneak up on you. I mean, going to Houston has been a graveyard for LA Galaxy teams of the previous years. Um, but you know, Dallas in a little bit of disarray. Um, Ricardo Pepe might not even be there in a week. Um, you know, you talk about then having to go to. Kansas City, always a tough trip. Kansas City, a very good team, even though they're reeling a little bit. Go to Seattle. Well, we all know how that goes. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and, unfortunately. <laughs> and then they're 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 home to Minnesota to end, end all of this. 
I do feel optimistic about that Dallas home game and that Dallas or that home Minnesota game. I think they can get something out of Houston tomorrow night. I think they can just watching that Houston Seattle game back the other day. Um, first off, bangers only. If you, the Golazo committee should just analyze that entire game. Um, but I, I <laughs> just look at what Houston's done. I mean, obviously, fifteen game winless skid in the middle of the season. I can't think a team that did that has to feel particularly good about where they are. And yeah, you know, they pulled off a surprise result against Seattle. But if you think about Seattle, I mean, no Lodero, no uh, Morris, no, um, you know, Ritias. I mean, they just did not look like a good team. Um, I, I just don't believe in this Houston team. I, I think defensively they're a little lapsed. And I mean, Tyler Pasher up front and Maxi Rudy have done very good work. But I think, you know, with the way that Maxi Rudy plays, I think Depew and, and Williams or whoever starts in that, that center of defense will have the better of that matchup. Um, I, 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 I do feel good about seven points out of these next five games. I do. Um, and I feel good about a playoff spot. Ooh. Let's just put it this that, way. If, yeah, I mean, look, 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 look. I, oh, my God. I don't want to say things. and, and not, Start knocking on wood right now. Everybody is. You're listening. Thank you. Um, no, look. I, I have no doubt that Galaxy are going to make the playoffs. And, you know, as far as the run goes, you know, whatever at this point. For a rebuild year, and we can't say it enough, um, everybody chill out. Give Vanny a chance. I, maybe you're just kidding when you say Vanny out. But, like, no. Like, everybody needs to just relax. Um, you know, look, look at the work the Galaxy are putting in, look at the progress that they're making, look at how the team is developing, look at how individuals are developing and growing and what have you, um, you know, nothing is perfect and, and, you know, we Galaxy fans have standards and, you know, certain, um, ideals and, you know, practical or not, it's, it's what, it's what we have to work with, right, when somebody like Cabral and, um, Kulabali on the criticism that they're facing. So that's that's what I have to say about that. Um, get excited. They, keep that faith. They should get seven points out of this week as well. They should that. get seven points out of this, and yeah. I'm and I'm with you on that. No, out of this week, not just out of the next five games. Seven points out of this week because they can. No, no out of this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally, totally, if, totally. If they do that, then I think everything's going to feel really good for the next. You know, like every, everyone's going to. Again, as I've said with you as national team fans, if we get seven points out of this week for Galaxy fans, you can take a step off that ledge a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and what I was gonna say too was um, not not just the you know the seven points for this week because that is super 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 important. Hopefully the the and we're not relying on this, but I'm just saying if they can do that and the other games go our way, I'm just saying. Oh, I, I have no doubt in my mind. Decision Day in the West is going to be an absolute monster of a day. Yeah, just, I, that's uh, that's going to be a ha- bring like when you go to the game like bring three phones, keep an eye on. Oh, four I was going to say bring games. a vomit bag because <laughs> you'll be under pressure regardless of the results. Well, it's not just results; it's placement. Um, and, yeah, and, and also I will say how critical this this win against Portland was is that it honestly keeps the the idea of a home playoff game alive if you think about it. Because I mean, had Portland won this game, I mean they run away with that line. All of a sudden, it's a question of just making the playoffs. Now it's a question of. Well, Portland's got a pretty tough run in two. They could drop a couple games. I mean, they play Vancouver tomorrow, and Vancouver's a very good team, um, a team that's that's hard charging for the playoffs. And I think they play at LAFC and San Jose as well. So I think like their run is not easy. So like a home playoff game is still in the conversation for the Western Conference. Like, I mean, obviously Seattle's is is most likely going to run away with the first seed. I don't think there's any other team that can touch them. Um, Kansas City most likely going to get the second seed. I haven't seen enough wobbles from Colorado to make me think they're going to drop that third place. 
But that force through, I'd say... That's a dark horse, if you ask me. I think they've been absolutely fantastic. And watching them in person, I mean, getting a 1-1 draw here was incredible. Um, but I, that 4-7 to seven slot, that's going to change a lot. And I think it's going to change a lot, especially on decision day. So I'd say, if you're going to that game against Minnesota at home, bring a phone or two and keep an eye on some other games because everything could change come decision day. All right. Well, I apologize for the whirring printer noises in the background. Hashtag future life. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, as always, uh, for tuning in. I will be there on Saturday along with a couple of members of Eliazar House, so keep a lookout. Um, we, If you haven't been on Twitter um, and you're just noticing now, um, Eliazar House's um, stickers have blown up um, a bit for this one that kind of is reminiscent of... Ted Lasso's Believe sign, and instead it says family, and it's Sasha Kleshton stopping the sign. So um, Sasha shared it, and um, Football is Life, um, Danny Rojas um, has liked it on Instagram and, and what have you. So it, it's picking up. Um, I'm not sure how many stickers they have in stock, but if you pre-order with them, you can pick them up at the game on Saturday. Um... And you can pick and, up our magazine. And, of course, more importantly, what we for sure have um, in stock are the, yes, Issue 2 magazines. You can get them online, uh, but if you pre-order, and that is the best way, prepay Eliazar House, DM them, and just pick up your magazine on game day. And if you don't want to carry it in the stadium with you, Text us, um, you know, on Twitter, and we'll take it to your car. Whatever you need um, to meet us and to be able to get that to you. And there is shipping available. Um, even if you don't want to do it through the website, if you really want us to do it, just please, a little um, shipping and handling money would be um, of assistance as we have a lot of um, wonderful content prepared for Issue 3, and we're working to get that um, out. So we don't want to say too much more about that because that is a... Work in progress. Also, and, uh-huh. also, if you uh, are listening on your podcast app and you haven't given us five stars and a nice comment, please do because you're awesome and that helps us find more awesome people like you and we always want more awesome people. So please take the time out of your day. It only takes about like 10, 15 seconds. Give us five stars, a nice little comment or two and uh, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and we appreciate any feedback, but do DM us those um, if they are not five-star worthy. And, um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you at the stadium. If you see Christian or I or even Ellie as our house, say hi. I know there have been a few people that, you know, don't want to quote-unquote embarrass us or make us feel shy or anything like that. Um, you know, it doesn't have to go as far as a autograph unless you wanted to. But, um, seriously, with, with all, you know, do humble that you have given us. Like, we're definitely humbled. Um... So we really, really, really appreciate all of you listeners, those that we have met and have yet to meet. And uh, I know some people, you know, they're listening, but, you know, they're not uh, meet-up kind of people, and we respect that. So thank you, thank you, thank you once again. And we will uh, catch you next week with hopefully uh, a lot of joy to spread. It's almost Christmas. (laughs) See you next week.